On this episode, we discuss Happy Halloween, Scooby-Doo. That's right. It's our special annual Thanksgiving Halloween episode. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington, you shocktober freaks. <laughs> oh, Stuart, God. no, no, I think I think you're under a misapprehension of what time of the year it is. Wait, what's the name uh, of the I'm, movie we watched? Uh, the name was Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo. I'm Elliot Kalen. Uh, this is actually uh, November, oh, this okay. episode. And joining yeah, us yeah. this time is podcaster, author, uh, YouTuber, journalist, mm-hmm. uh, woodworker, one, voice voice mm-hmm. actor, number one mm-hmm. sheets customer, Justin <laughs> McElroy. What an honor! I I am such a fan of you guys. You you guys have got me through some real tough spells of mental health. Just uh, turning through your shows, I can't believe I'm here. Can't believe I made it. Looks like I've finally made it. Here I am. <laughs> Looks like you made it. Look how far you've come, my I, 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 I like you pretending that you're not doing a favor for us. None of that was a joke. I love this show. Oh, okay. No, this is a bit Dan does where he offends the guest immediately. Mm-hmm. He's like, why do, you like, why do you like the show, idiot? I'm not offended. It's a great... Hey, Dickface, why do you like our show so much, stupid? I know he likes the show. Yeah. I just it is very nice of him to come. You can um you can enjoy a favor. Like if you help a friend move <laughs> but all their furniture is like really squishy and fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like it turns out like, oh actually I'm enjoying this. This yeah. isn't that yeah. heavy. Yeah. It's fun to play with. That's usually what I ask my friends when I agree to help them move is the squishiness of their furniture. <laughs> I have two questions. I say, one is the furniture squishy and two is it like just soft or is it moist? Because I'd gum, rather not carry the moist and stuff. Edible, oh, like in Willy okay. Wonka's factory. <laughs> so my hands are going to be really sticky at the end of it. Oh, yeah, Willy Wonka's was... friends must have hated so much when they had to help him move. And they're like, just use the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> no, and he's like, they're not slaves. They work for me. Yeah. I can't just use them for my personal moving. Yeah, and they're, yeah. it's like, why are you moving out in August of all of all months? <laughs> all your I candy furniture is going to melt in the truck. Why are you moving now? Well, this does bring up a, a, a key problem with the factory, is that that room that's all just candy must, you know, just attract a tremendous amount of lint, like small dead insects or live insects stuck to the, the candy. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they, must... he, do, he doesn't brace Charlie for and. Did you ever hear what happened to the man who got ever everything he ever wanted? What? For six months, he was really worked up about flies. Six months of the year, it just flies, 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 flies. It is a big problem. You will not enjoy that time. Close it up. Go to Aruba. You will not like that that time. And he go, he goes, Charlie. I know what you're thinking. You just package the, that candy with flies on it and call it Wonka Bar Bugums. It does not work. I tried it. Nobody wanted Bugums. The candy with real bugs attached to it. It, Don't it you just think didn't work. The Willy Wonka company missed a trick by not selling chocolate bars called Little Bit of Augustus. And there's just a little <laughs> bit of Augustus gloop in every yeah. one. Just a yeah, little they, bit of particulate. It's called gloopies. Yeah. Gloopies. I mean, you got to believe that he's well marbled and delicious. <laughs> 
that's a, that's we're, a very really, com- we're really showing our Western privilege in that we're making fun of the fact uh, that people could be eating chocolate bars with insects or Augustus gloops in them. And I think that's pretty <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. In many parts of the world, Augustus gloop is a primary source of protein. And I think we need to respect that. Yeah. Uh, okay, well... <laughs> Uh, let me explain the premise of this show to anyone mm. uh, checking in for the first time and thinking, oh, my favorite is Justin. You'll be disappointed next time. But um, Maybe. this is a show. This is a show where we uh, watch a bad movie and then talk about it. That's our um, that's our M.O. Uh, but Justin, who knows what he thinks of this movie? He picked it. Now, Justin, I wanted to ask before we got into talking about the movie. What uh, what was it about this film that made you want to talk about it with us? Yeah, when I when I texted Justin, I was like, "Yeah, you can pick any movie in the world." And like, even before I was done sending the text message, I got the response: "Happy Halloween, Scooby Doo." <laughs> well, I was watching was it at the time pause. that you texted me. I was watching <laughs> it at the time that you texted me, but <laughs> but it was the third time I'd watched it. <laughs> with my children and my rationale is this one i thought i'd try to do elliot a solid and have a movie that he could watch with his children oh, thank you i appreciate that yeah uh secondly and i i hope that the the logic of this has been borne out now that you guys have watched it and it wasn't just a uh, sort of one-off because i watched it again today it's a bizarre <laughs> flick it is very strange yeah. <laughs> almost every choice in this movie is so strange <laughs> and it almost starts to feel like you know those uh that one very funny twitter uh writer who was doing the ai like uh an ai generated script for yeah, yeah. an olive garden commercial it feels like someone put every scooby doo <laughs> into a machine yeah. and then let the machine generate a script for a scooby doo movie yeah um yeah. Yeah, like it was translated. That's underselling into... it a bit because I think it's it's also very it's it's surprisingly effective in what it attempts to do. But what it attempts to do is weirdly ambitious. I feel like for a movie of this stripe, and like There's... you don't expect Happy Halloween Scooby Doo to be a message movie, but it definitely definitely is. And yeah. there's a surprising amount of world building in this Happy yes, Halloween Scooby Doo right. movie. And, and world it's, it's... Um, borrowing. Just yes, and we're and for... and. Uh, uh, crossover building now, yeah. damn, and it's also kind of a Mad Max Fury Road, which you don't expect. Yeah, Scooby Doo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I didn't expect Road Game Scooby Doo, which yeah. it kind of becomes. And speaking uh, of world building, we are introduced right away to Crystal Cove. A wait, Stuart. Actually, I hate to interrupt. I just want to say it is fitting that we watched this Halloween movie in November okay. Why? in honor of Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, the creators of Scooby Doo, who both died this year. Ken Spears just died about a week and a half ago, so it is in his uh, honor that we are now going to, I guess, tear apart this movie that used his characters. He didn't write it, uh-huh, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh <laughs> Justin is making a you, face of the idea you, that you guys tear it apart all you want. I'll be there picking up the pieces and <laughs> carrying them on my shoulders back over to the wherever we're That's carrying true. It when, from. When, when Happy Halloween Scooby Doo saw just one set of footprints, that was you carrying it. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, the movie opens up in Crystal Cove, a town built on a large uh natural crystal deposit, as we'll learn later. Uh, it's Halloween. There's a Halloween parade and Elvira is the uh is on the main float. You make it 10 seconds in before you are to one of the wilder picks of the movie. <laughs> Y'all, this is a children's movie. Yeah. N- none of them know who Elvira is. Not yeah, a no. single child 
will we'll know who Elvira is. <laughs> They're going to think as a Scooby-Doo character. It's bizarre that when I was a kid, I knew who Elvira was since her main thing was being like making death jokes and bo- having boobs. And yet somehow yeah. this was a character I was aware of as a kid, but no kid now is going to well, know who Elvira, the mistress of the and night And because is. this is a, I assume because this is a movie for children, they largely take away the boobs. So, uh, so just write like, that down in the notes. Yeah, Dan, Dan's mad that they desexified Elvira and Bill Nye. <laughs> Well, that's D- Dan what- didn't think Elvira's boobs were big enough. <laughs> that's that's his big note to, to Warner's on this one. Warner's animation. Uh, I have one general note. This is a world note just for the whole for the whole movie. Yeah. Elvira's <laughs> known for her cleavage, and yet I didn't see re- and uh, that within that note comes a secondary note in the scene where Daphne and Elvira switch clothes. We don't see that process process taking place. Uh, that seems like a wasted opportunity I, for me, well, yeah. deviant art scholar Dan McCoy. That's going to hurt our in, international box office for sure. In your own words, Elliot, that is one of Elvira's main things that yeah, has been true. removed. I'm not Fair. saying it should be in the movie, but like even in her movie, uh, which you, the name I I forgot. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. The how end, can Dan remember that name for the movie? Yeah. She wins over many of the townspeople by. Uh, doing a burlesque routine where her boobs spin her tassels around like like Elvira knows that that is a key component to her mm-hmm. her whole thing and uh yeah it is just wild that she's in this movie it's wild yeah it's wild. she's great so she's the grand marshal and she's on the main float the scooby-doo gang what mystery incorporated is their name mm-hmm. are yeah. already undercover in costume which is interesting for later uh trying to you know they think there's going to be a monster attack or they're trying to prove monsters aren't real uh, just about then, the bomb me shop explodes, and a hobgoblin <laughs> pumpkin-headed character comes flying out and starts throwing pumpkin bombs and stuff. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, wait a minute. Is Scooby-Doo crossing over with Marvel Comics and their jack-o'-lantern villain? Yeah. N- no, wrong comics universe, friends, as you're about <clears throat> no. to find out. Or, I mean, doesn't the Green Goblin throw pumpkin bombs? Yeah, but he doesn't have a jack-o'-lantern on his head. But jack-o'-lantern uses a lot of Green Goblin's old stuff. Green Goblin left a lot of his weapons all over New York because, one, he's a pack rat, and two, just in case, I guess he was in the nabe and he needed to switch costumes. And so, Hobgoblin, jack-o'-lantern, Demogoblin, they're all always borrowing Green Goblin's old stuff, you know. Okay, well. It's Scarecrow. Yeah, Yeah, Scarecrow in Gotham City. It's Scarecrow, and you watch that and you think... When I first watched this, I thought, oh, this is a Batman crossover? Mm-hmm. Nope. No. Yeah. It's <laughs> well, just I, Scarecrow. Just Scarecrow. I watched he's this branching with... out. You know, he's like, oh, I don't just want to be a Batman guy. I want to be a little bit of everything. 90% of the time I'm watching the movie with Audrey, and 90% of the time she loses interest uh, almost immediately. But she was on her edge of her seat for this one because she's a big Scooby-Doo fan from way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually convinced me to watch Scoob a while back. But... Sorry. But um, but she said, oh, it's the Scarecrow. And I thought she was just joking for a while because I missed the fact that they're like, oh, from Gotham. But no, it's actually, yeah. yeah. Actually, Dr. Crane, not Fraser Crane. But yeah. the, what if, wait a minute. Hold on. What if Fraser Crane was the Scarecrow's brother? Hold on a second. There's a third yeah. Crane brother. He's yeah. not in Seattle. He's in Gotham. And he's the Scarecrow. I got to see it happen. Okay. Yeah. So um, he's about he's about to attack him with a bunch of drones and then Fred uses a phone app that is not a trap to turn him off and then they shoot him with a crossbow. 
Uh, now, here's the thing I like about this right off the bat is now I have to assume that Batman and Scooby-Doo coexist in the same universe, which I love because I've been having some real issues with Batman lately as I come to realize that he is essentially a character who uses violence to solve a mental illness problem yeah. and uh, that his entire series is a is a long-running argument against uh, empathy for anyone who commits a crime and in favor of just ha- throwing them into an easily escapable asylum. But uh, – here, if Scooby Doo exists in that world, then all bets are off. You know what? Maybe Batman's the right way to handle because this world is nuts. <laughs> if there's just a talking dog who's also a pothead who solves mysteries with some teens who don't have families, then like, okay, sure, maybe Batman makes sense. So there's, you know, there's a couple of turnarounds. It looks like Scarecrow's Dead Man Switch is going to launch a huge new batch of drones, and then uh, Shaggy picks up Scooby and uses him like an anti-aircraft gun, and he spits candy that is. Still fully wrapped out of his mouth, yeah, and shoots down all of the drones. Yeah, they 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 were terrified. They locked the doors to the mystery van, not allowing their oh, teammates reaching. to get back in. And yeah, they've just been swallowing a bunch of uh, fully wrapped candy for the last uh, for the credit sequence. It's easier to animate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, now here's a I wanted to bring up. So as always, uh, it looks like as always with Scooby Doo, it looks like it's a supernatural thing. It's some guy Ooh. with. Pumpkin powers. No, it's just drones and stuff. Were you guys as kids ever as disappointed as I was that every episode of Scooby-Doo ended with the reassuring message that monsters and ghosts don't exist, and it's just old men who don't want people to go to their amusement parks for some reason? Well, well <laughs> it is my—I mean, Scoob breaks with that traditional tradition. There is actual, like, uh, supernatural stuff going on, and it's my understanding that, like, some of the more recent Scooby-Doo versions have had actual— supernatural oh, okay. stuff going on i'm not fully up on scooby-doo's modern continuity which is why one of the characters <laughs> in this really threw me off when it turned out he was a continuing character i mean i i understand like scooby-doo in general i understand having affection for it in the way that i understand having affection for any old garbage from your childhood <laughs> but let's let's stipulate that the original cartoons were not very good uh i mean they've done i think they have done some better versions of it over the years so i hear but you know, I, I don't, like, it is wild to some degree that this is, you know, Scooby-Doo has been in, in syndication from the 1980s, he's, and there have been so the, many different versions. He's the longest-running television cartoon character that there is. Like, his his show's been on the air in some form or another, basically, without with few breaks since the early 70s, late 60s, mm-hmm. and, like, considering his main, when I think about him, my, his main thing that I can think of is, like, this kind of shit-brown color palette that is oh, wow. hideously unappealing. There's no, there's nothing visually appealing about the show. And also that every episode ends with them being like, uh-oh, a monster. Psych, kids, there's no magic in the world. It's just an old man <laughs> in a mask. But yeah. this this one really turned around for me, partly because it's a very colorful show. Yeah, it is a much yeah. prettier looking version. Yeah. Uh, I was actually going to say, I feel like the animation was a little bit jer- like herky-jerky and not particularly appealing to me, but then I don't mm. watch a lot of animation for kids. How about you daddies out there? It, I would say middle of the pack. I mean, it's not it's it's serviceable. It's certainly better than a lot of the animation you see on on uh, television is uh, a lot fewer frames of, of much less animation. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. For, yeah. for Square Inch, how's that? <laughs> I would say that, like, for me, like, the limited cell animation was, like, the animation itself was not good, but I liked the, like, the brightness of the designs okay. in it. Uh, so they, you know, they save the day, they start to celebrate, uh, they, the cops show up to take Scarecrow away, uh, Velma has some verbal sparring with the Scarecrow, and he gives him a mysterious threat, 
Daphne uses a whole bunch of outdated slang and is behaving like she's drunk on white wine spritzers. Um, let's see. I found that whole sequence surprisingly funny, but at the same time I was like, who is Daphne supposed to be here? Like, what is her personality? Yeah. Well, Daphne is, here's what I like about this, This what I, what I really like, other than the fact, that, well, I'll talk about a lot of things I like. Mm-hmm. One of the things I enjoy about this film is that I feel like one of the things that has put me off of Scooby-Doo to this point is that I feel like Scooby-Doo has been meta at this point longer than it has been Scooby-Doo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost all of our Scooby-Doo media is like a running gag about how che- you know, like a Brady Bunch movie style, like mm-hmm. sort of, uh, it, it's, it's usually writing this line between parody and, and earnestness. And I feel like this movie really doesn't lean as hard. It's funny of its own creation right it what it does is it makes choices for each of these characters that is not necessarily referencing scooby-doo from 40 years ago but is rather like it's making choices that let them be funny so in this one daphne is very strange i mean daphne Mm -hmm. is the is the oddball of Mm -hmm. of the group and um fred is funny not because he's referencing what a you know um lovable uh yeah but like He's funny for other reasons because he uh, is his own character that is not a meta commentary on Fred of yore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ye old no, I, I agree that like when we were watching this, we're like, oh, Daphne gets to be funny in this because usually Daphne, I think, is the biggest blank in it. They're just like, okay, like, well, she and Fred both are just like, okay, these are like our pretty leaders, but I don't really know who they are. Yeah, and she's she's. Uh, what like effective like she has yeah. skills and is the physical one I yeah. guess Fred too can make traps and use apps um, so that was the thing say- Fred, kept, Fred kept talking about traps and I was like was that always his thing did yeah. I did I forget yeah. that Fred's thing was traps because uh-huh. I thought his thing was just being like yeah. the guy who could walk into a normal like establishment sure. situation and have like some f- kind of face that is trusted as opposed to Shaggy, <laughs> who is clearly a dropout from society. Yeah. I, I thought I Fred th- was just kind of like the guy who would go in and be like, they, sure. they can trust me. I'm wearing an ascot. It's okay. No, it is definitely one of those things where it's like a Back to the Future 2 situation where it's like, wait, was Marty's thing before that he doesn't like being called a chicken? Because I don't <laughs> remember that. <laughs> no, he had, it, Fred has one of the best, uh, one of my favorite Fred lines is he says, I want to do what I do best. I'm gonna do traps. <laughs> <laughs> so they decide to celebrate by going trick or treating. They talk about how they don't have uh, costumes, which is weird because Fred is wearing like a half skeleton costume the whole movie. <laughs> I mean, uh, he's wearing the costume from Karate Kid that those kids were wearing on Halloween. He yeah. could just wear that skeleton costume. Yep. Uh, so Shaggy and Scooby, of course, chew mouthfuls of candy and then spit it all over themselves and cover themselves with extra candy and become spilled Halloween candy as their costume. It's wild. And then they have a trick-or-treating and dancing montage to an original song, I'm assuming, uh, created for this movie. Um, There's a few times in the movie where I think it's about to become a musical and then it doesn't quite become a musical. Like they faint at it and the characters sing a little bit and then it just kind of goes away and you're like, oh, okay. I kind of thought you'd do like a whole number here, but so I guess then, not. They then find a wrecked drone and a wrecked toxic waste truck, and the two things combine to smear their juice all over a local pumpkin patch, which turns the pumpkins into monsters, which are heretofore known as jackal lanterns. Now, why do you think they call them jackal lanterns? They're not 
scavengers, you know, like mm. jackal. They don't have any anything like jackals. I think it basically. sounds like jack o' lantern, Elliot. Behavior wise, okay. they're a lot kind of like critters that are also zombies, and they can mm-hmm. fly and drive custom hot rods. And they laugh. They've got a very gremlin-y laugh. Although mm-hmm. I guess it's a crittersy laugh too. Yeah. Uh, but unlike unlike ghoulies, they don't get you in the end. That, well, actually, no. they kind of do later on. But uh, that's so, true. And are they like munchies? I don't really remember what the munchies <laughs> used to do. Uh, well, they look up women's dresses. That's just uh, the poster. Uh, based on the VHS uh, post. Uh, yeah. And cover. what about trancers? Were trancers like this? Oh man, trancers are completely different. It involves uh, jumping to different dimensions. Jack Death is involved. It's great. Uh, okay. So the rest of the gang. And what uh, about meets... bad news bears? Are <laughs> okay. those are those They're little creatures? They're just kind of uh, racist in that 1970s way. Oh, That's... okay, okay. Got so... it. And what about what about little oh, big hawks? Is, is that? <laughs> uh, so while Shaggy and Scooby are uh, watching the Jack O' Lanterns uh, origin story, the rest of the team meets the local sheriff who threatens them and uh, yeah makes and then takes away the scarecrow, obviously uh-huh. for in case for defund. Uh, they meet uh, locals. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait uh, Stuart. I don't know. He, I mean, if any, if any, if any criminal seems to be in in imminent danger that should be locked up at the moment, it seems to be the scarecrow. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not talking about the way that they're handling the scarecrow. I'm just talking about the general sheriff's overreach and his ways interacting with these uh, helpful teenagers. Um, oh, okay, okay. Fair, so fair. Uh, we meet a local uh, father and daughter team, Mike and Michelle. Mike, thanks. <laughs> also for... known as a family, father daughter yeah. <laughs> team. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, they thank them for saving the town and offer to buy y'all a caramel corn later on. Well, <laughs> we'll see if that ever happens. Uh, the gang. <laughs> so uh, you're you're positing that that's sort of a Chekhov's caramel corn purchase offer. Yeah. Where <laughs> if you if you promise the purchase of a caramel corn in Act One, by Act Three we better see that caramel corn get purchased. Shaggy and Scooby show up. They try and warn the local reporters who are very excited about the saving of the town that the town is in fact not saved. That there are a bunch of jack o' lanterns on their way. Nobody believes them because they're covered in candy and there's an owl stuck on his butt. Uh, <laughs> Daphne then sings an original song uh, that is very kind of stream of consciousness, Elliot Kalin quality. While I had, let me read to you from my notes. Let me read you from my notes. Daphne sings a real Elliot style song. I wrote. <laughs> so I appreciated that part. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I felt like, I feel like I felt seen by happy Halloween Scooby-Doo. Uh-huh. Now we have our next celebrity cameo. Bill Nye shows up and he organizes an airdrop <laughs> for the team to receive a new fancy mystery machine. Mystery now machine again, X. Again, I think this is a, a strange thing because at one point, huh. Bill yeah. Nye was sort of a figure for children, but but at this point in history, I think he's mostly known for like appearing on CNN yeah. and sort of like throwing his hands up at the fact that no one believes in science anymore. Uh-huh. But that is that of what is fascinating about it is that that is what if this movie is about anything, <laughs> yeah, that is what this movie is about is about Velma struggling with the limits of science and belief <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and and where those two intertwine and the the overlap of fear and science yeah. and belief uh yeah yeah uh, and that's, that's, that's why Jim, that. bill nye is the perfect uh perfect guy i wish they didn't desexify him so much because you know <laughs> i mean fine, you do, he does you do see him as a sexy cat at one point he I is a sexy do, cat at one point yeah yeah uh but the i mean sexiest I feel animal like could have been sexier uh so uh, the new mystery machine is like a cool uh, automated 
uh, like Robocar that has wait. Arms so Stuart, wait. So your your issue with their handling of Bill Nye is similar to Dan's handling with their issue of Elvira, exactly. that a character who is just radiating sexuality mm-hmm. and is known for that has yep. been neutered for a child mm-hmm. audience. Bill, okay. Bill Nye largely appears in the movie as a, the a hologram <laughs> in their car. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you think it's an a, a Bill Nye AI, but it's not that because he's interrupted by trick or treaters. Uh, one yeah. of whom is dressed like Aquaman, who he then. Uh, complains about the uh, the the uh, unbelievability of the Aquaman character, uh-huh. uh, which means but he's, it's real. It's real, Bill Nye. So Bill Nye's just sitting there as a hologram in the van. Yeah, yeah he's no just. Re- I mean, there's no just, call for it. He's just Twitch live streaming direct to their van uh-huh. via hologram. And the, here's the thing: we live in a world where now in this show yeah. where Scarecrow is real, meaning uh-huh. Batman is real, Aquaman. <laughs> Bill Nye has a lot of issues with how Aquaman could exist, which implies either one, Aquaman is not real in this strange DC Hanna-Barbera hybrid, or two, Bill Nye is always writing letters to the local newspaper saying Aquaman (laughs) is a hoax and I can Uh prove it. The science doesn't make sense. Here's my seven-minute YouTube video on how Aquaman's not real. Fake news, fake news, Aquaman. And I just don't want to believe that Bill Nye is, is harassing Aquaman that way. I also think that Justin brings up a good point, which is like, like the fact that he is not an AI... And that he's built this for the the Mystery Incorporated uh, teens. Like, is he committing himself to always sitting there in that chair, like helping them and being like it's a good their question. kid? You know, I mean, you know, it depends. Like, uh, there's times in our life where we just kind of want to hang out and like really enjoy our long distance connections, as opposed to the people that are nearest that maybe know us too well. That sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's better to work on a relationship where there's a little bit of extra distance, so people <laughs> with like a bunch people, of teens in a van. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's totally normal, right? I mean, would it yeah. be weird? It would be weirder if Bill Nye was just roaming the country with a bunch of teens in a van, solving mysteries, right? Like that would be more questionable. Maybe that's it. He's like he he knows that there needs to be distance if he wants to help them out. Well, and he and, and also he and Daphne used to date, and okay. he knows well, it would now be we're weird. Into a weird area. Let's if you just... don't have. <laughs> Uh, so Scooby and Shaggy get tired of hitting a jack-o'-lantern and so Shaggy sits on it and then it turns into a monster <laughs> pumpkin and bites him on the butt and he says look I've got a pumpkin butt uh, that was cool uh, the reporters and various people are being attacked by the jack-o'-lanterns a Jewish coded reporter gets eaten by a giant jack-o'-lantern and then gets turned into a jack-o'-lantern uh, the ground starts to be torn apart, riven by earthquakes. Shaggy and Scooby jump into uh, Station Wagon with Mike and Michelle. Daphne uh, manages to convince Elvira to take her on as a protege, and Fred and <laughs> Velma drive away in the new Mystery Machine X. And now it's a driving movie. Yeah, for I like the rest of it. <laughs> a long time. The re- it's you keep remembering like wait this car chase is still going on and it is the fury road of Scooby Doo movies. Yeah, it's and they wild. have they have whole conversations with one another from one vehicle to another. <laughs> I honestly Steve, like. Conversa- no, ahead, I just Dan. the beginning of the movie zipped along a lot more for me honestly than this long car chase because at a certain point like. Oh, you mean the forty-five minutes of them driving yeah. didn't didn't zip along the way you expected? <laughs> At a certain point, I'm like, get out of the car, guys. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like they didn't write any more movies. To get to. <laughs> yeah. So they're all driving very slowly to the end of the movie. <laughs> they, I, um, I, I, there was part of me that imagined them just the movie ending with them driving off into the sunset forever chased by these jack-o'-lanterns yeah. never getting out of their cars. Yeah, it's funny you should mention that because the jack-o'-lanterns are hot on their tail with their own custom hot rods that I think are built out of the uh, parade floats. I can't quite tell. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They uh, look like that. It's a real, it's a real monster garage special edition where they just like <laughs> yep. they took the, they're like take these floats and turn them into cool monster trucks and they're like yeah we can do that <laughs> the customer was a bunch of jack-o'-lanterns but we decided we were still gonna do as good a job as we could hey we need this part well oh it's we have to get that from japan a jack-o'-lanterns this is gonna take a while uh but we kind of are chasing these teens okay mm-hmm. we'll do as best as we can yeah. we had we didn't have a lot of time so the monster garage guys had to get on it <laughs> Those are the tools. (laughs) Elliot, this shows a greater familiarity with Monster Garage than I would have expected out of you. I used to watch a lot of Monster Garage. Monster House was never as much into because there's something about having a crazy themed car that I can understand. But when you theme your house around something, it really, like, you're not going to want to live inside of a dinosaur cave every day. And, And that's coming from me. A guy who wishes he could live in a dinosaur cave like three days out of the week, but there was a there was a monster house where it was like the baby's coming, and we decided to make his room underwater themed. So there's sharks everywhere and fish, and I was like, "Ooh, I hope this kid likes underwater stuff because this is going to be a bad room uh-huh. if he doesn't like it." Yeah, yeah. I like- did that with uh, my daughter, uh, my first daughter. We made her uh, room uh, space themed, mm-hmm. and almost as soon as she could talk. She informed me how much she hated the space theme of her room and how much she wished it was princesses. And so I had to have this sad montage of me like taking the rocket ships down off the wall and piling them in my arms, the stupid Doctor Who clock just piled on top. The, the 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 starry curtains straight in the trash. <laughs> Take, uh, with a you little know, scraper mentioned... like scraping the stars off the ceiling. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, wow. I did exactly that. Um, can we take a brief diversion sure. to just check in on Matthew Lillard real quick? I, I want to sure. talk about Matthew Lillard and this is celebratory. I am not ragging on him yeah. whatsoever because I'm envious in a way. 2002. Uh-huh. Yep. Matthew Lillard plays the role of Shaggy Rogers in the movie Scooby-Doo. Uh-huh. And then Matthew Lillard was like, you know what? This is good for me. <laughs> I'm just going to stay here if that's all right. Yeah. And everybody can go about their business. I'm just going <laughs> to chill here. Except for appearing in Twin Peaks The Return briefly. Yeah, I'm going to dip in on David Lynch's return to television. Yeah. And then I'm just going to keep – he's girl. done other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, he's done other stuff. But the fact that he just like – even the last movie had Will Forte as Shaggy. And they were like, certainly Matthew's not going to come back after that. And he's like, no, it's fine. I'll just come ahead back. It's <laughs> and there really was like not a big, big deal. Like, well, not big, but like big for Scooby-Doo internet controversy where they're all like, everyone's like, why are they getting Will Forte? You know, like Matthew Lillard has been playing this part since 2002. He has been putting in the work. I mean, yeah. he's great. And like Kate McCucci is, is so, she's so good as Velma. It's weird that she hasn't always yeah. been Velma. It's <laughs> like, it, it's that, it's yeah. that sort of perfect um, but I, I just think it's fascinating. Matthew Lillard's like, that oh, is good. I'll just keep doing it. It's pretty easy, and I get money for it, yeah. and it's fun to keep being this guy. Uh, and <laughs> well, I don't think we have a lot of, like, uh, unless you want to look at, like, um, uh, 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 Brett Iwan or, you know, one of the, the Mickey lineage, like, you don't have this level of uh, interconnectedness between a character and a 
uh, voice actor that goes on for you know years and years and years and years and years. Uh, it's wild. That's always it's always whenever they would have like a guest star on The Simpsons, and then that character would become like a fairly regular or recurring character. Like I imagine, I always imagine, think it's weird that Joe Montana like still goes in. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fat Tony's in this episode. Can, can you come in and record three lines? Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay, no problem. <laughs> but but uh, this the uh, I always thought that who, was weird. Who that did, who I, did Shaggy before Matthew? Lillard? Casey Kasem did Casey Shaggy yeah. for most okay. of it. Yeah, 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 and I always thought it was weird that Casey Kasem had like a had his own big career, but he was yeah. still for years the same thing, coming in and doing Shaggy and, and stuff. Why, it was like, just, is it just maybe really great to be Shaggy? Yeah. Is that what we're missing? Is it like so what a joyful connection? This might be a this might be a crazy question, but why wasn't Casey Kasem in the live action movie as Shaggy? Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, one, by that point, he was either a very old man or dead. I can't remember which. The action and the live part both would have been challenging. For yeah, Mr. let's Kasem. let's take a look at Casey Kasem and see uh, how see how alive he was when that movie came out. Let's see. I don't, I don't oh, he think was it's alive. You to judge me. I he think was alive. A totally okay. normal question to ask. Okay, so uh, I mean, you did he, ask if it was crazy ahead of time. So yeah, that... he, that's true. So he voiced uh, Norville Shaggy Rogers uh, from 1969 to 1997. Then again from 2002 to 2009. It says uh, so in 2002 he was 70 years old. So it might have been a little strange if it was yeah. like uh, <laughs> these young people playing the rest of the characters, and then a 70 year old man yeah, like a, it's like, a, like and uh, if anything, what's weird about it is that. Shaggy is so so clearly a takeoff of Maynard G. Krebs from the Dobie Gillis show because they're basically right. the Dobie Gillis characters. Why didn't they just get Bob Denver to do it? I don't know. Look, I'm not <laughs> Hannah or Barbara. I can't answer these questions. Uh-huh. I mean, the answer is probably that Bob Denver wanted too much money, but I, I, I don't know. We'll have to go into, the into I guess, an oral history somewhere to find out. Um, it's also worth noting that Casey Kasem did voice Shaggy Rogers uh, in the year of his death, 2014. Yeah. So that was a um, 72, judging from Wikipedia here. No, sorry. 82 year uh, old man yeah. <laughs> voicing uh, a local teen. Yeah. Shaggy Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Directors are like, okay, Casey, just remember you're a teenager. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Get into character. This is what teenagers care about. Um, is it wait, the Charleston? <laughs> I, I always kind of assumed Shaggy was a little bit older than a teenager at this point. Uh, I mean, they're all supposed to be teens. Here's something that Wikipedia says, and I wonder if it's true, that Casey Kasem was at first uncomfortable about being assigned to Shaggy, uh, as he had never before portrayed a hippie character. He wanted to play Fred, and Frank Welker, who of course has played Fred for the entirety, I think, of the run, wanted to play Shaggy. But instead, CBS assigned them the other way. It's just like that old story about how originally Christopher Walken was going to play Han Solo and Betty Davis was going to play Princess Leia. And they decided at the last minute that they did not want Christopher Walken to play it or an elderly woman to play Princess Leia. You know, and originally Chewbacca was going to be played by the late Clark Gable. It's Uh just amazing when you hear about who was going to play these roles. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So back to the chase. Uh, Daffy <laughs> uses a blowtorch to cut the parade float loose from the back of Elvira's car, which then uh, runs into all the jack-o'-lanterns hot rods, which explode like Mad Max Fury Road. So they get a little bit of breathing space. You know, they're still on their tail, but they got a little bit of room to breathe. Not as much room as in the movie The Chase, where uh, Charlie Sheen and Christy Swanson have a sex scene while being chased by the cops. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, so they argue about being scared, whether or not it's logical or not. This is when Velma starts talking about mind palaces, and it's like, of course, 
It's 2020. If you have a smart character in your property, they have to talk about memory palaces or they have to be able to play fucking chess on the ceiling. Like, mm-hmm. or, or I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I got to know yeah. there's, they got to be able <laughs> like to do things in people. slow motion. We, we, we just started, we just started watching that show. Uh, and we, we just watched the episode where she tears the, the canopy of her bed because chess doesn't work on a bed canopy. It nope. only works on a ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Did, I, I haven't, I haven't finished Queen's Gambit yet. Does she play Lionel Richie, who of course has the strength of being able to sit on the ceiling uh-huh. while playing? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the nutty thing is like, I haven't watched that movie and I just accepted that as like Stuart's crazy joke about a thing that smart people do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I got crossover appeal. Okay. Um, so they speed up, they catch up to the sheriff and the paddy wagon that is carrying the scarecrow. It's quite a large van, to be honest with you. Uh, the sh- and it the looks sh- even bigger on the inside. Once they get inside, it's like they're inside an office building. Yeah. There's so much room in there. <laughs> uh, the sheriff then gets overtaken by jack-o'-lanterns, and then... Oh, we skipped my favorite sheriff oh, dialogue. My mistake. Explain, please. No, please, Fred, Fred and the sheriff are talking. <laughs> and by talking, they're like, like yelling out the window, right? Yeah. yeah, they're yelling out the window to each other, and uh, the sheriff said that the kids should go back uh, because even though he gives them a hard time, they're pretty much the closest thing to family he's got. <laughs> Fred said, we've talked eight or ten times. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. Good. Oh, man. It's great. Uh, yeah, the, the sheriff is definitely the, uh, at this point, is still a wild card. Uh, yeah. Was there a previous movie? Because they keep referencing yes. a thing. So there was a previous movie that he was in. Apparently, a, a a, the sheriff was in a couple of previous uh, okay. Scooby-Doo f- movies. So they've been setting this up for a while. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this so is the, a the long time. setting up we haven't gotten to, but yeah. So yeah. this says, this character was seen in Curse of the 13th Ghost and Return to Zombie Island, setting oh, up wow. his appearance here. Now, my question, you've been to Zombie Island once. You know there's zombies on it. Why are you returning <laughs> to Zombie Island? <laughs> I mean, that's the question that the title raises. Right? That's why well, you're, you're like, you're, I gotta see what's so cool you about lost this your fucking wallet. zombie island. <laughs> I, lo- I lost a ring on Zombie Island. We gotta <laughs> yeah. go back. Uh, so they, uh, the pumpkins take over some construction equipment. That's not going to be good. Uh, they then, they then, uh, start interviewing the scarecrow. Uh, somehow Scooby and Shaggy do, they take their Scooby snacks and then they flip over some things and land (laughs) in the paddy wagon with Velma. Uh, Bill Nye gets distracted by the trick-or-treaters, as we mentioned, and the mystery machine starts misbehaving. Go on, Dan. I do. I do. Uh, well, you know, they they you know, Scooby Snacks, obviously a big part of uh, Scooby Doo lore. I why are they like there's a product out there that's named after this dog? Is that what the yes, we are to believe? Or like, is it maybe the dog Scoob- after the product? Well, maybe Scooby is a brand of dog in this world, uh, not a brand, a breed of dog. Like maybe no, a Scooby is a kind of dog. <laughs> yeah, or brand. <laughs> I mean, dogs are all working on their brands these days, you know. Uh, they're all entrepreneurs, but it does seem str- it is a packaged product. It's not something yes. they make. Like, but no, maybe yeah. they named him after it. You know, like a that's dog. What the, that's what Scoob suggests, right? I I think is that he was named after the snack. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You guys think? Okay, real quick, quick. Just don't even think about it. Sure. Sweet or savory? <laughs> I think savory. Yeah. Yeah. Savory. I think. So. Well, actually, I don't know. Uh huh. I don't See? know. The ones they made for <laughs> kids are like graham cracker mm. type things, but kids aren't going to eat. You know. 
tastes like chicken and a biscuit that kids aren't going to eat. Yeah. Like, no, they, they like need sugar. Stuff. They like they, yeah, yeah. Kids love anything sweet, and they hate anything not sweet. If my kids, my my children who like to eat literally spoonfuls of sugar, yeah. like they're Ugh. taking medicine Gross. from Mary Poppins. Yeah. Like it's like it's like then, when kids also, come into the bar. I'm always like, hey, that cocktail they ordered, put another squirt of simple syrup in it. <laughs> I gotta say, <laughs> put some complex syrup in that. It's got to be real sweet. When I I've, I've been going the other way. When I was a kid, I only liked sort of like salty things and i got i got a i got a sweet tooth as i grew older which explains my expanding waistline i think but like, i was gonna say that's a bad time that's when we're all least biologically exactly. capable of dealing with <laughs> sweet teeth that's when you want your savory teeth to grow in now i always assume scooby-doo was named savory after scuba Dooba. my least favorite uh twisted metal character <laughs> I, I always, I always thought he, uh, it, he was named after Scuba Duba, the Bruce J. Friedman off-Broadway play. But maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not the case. Uh, so, but let's say for the, let's say for the purposes of this moment of us talking about this show, that he exists in a world where there is a famous snack called Scooby Snacks. Scooby Doo, as a puppy, loved them, and so that he, they named him Scooby Doo because a dog's body, when you think about it, in that case, is a machine for turning Scooby into Doo. And mm-hmm. that's where the name comes from, everybody. Stuart, okay. what's going on in that car chase? <laughs> okay, so at this point, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby are inside the armored truck, and they're interrogating the Scarecrow. Uh, then the construction equipment starts to tear apart that paddy wagon. Scarecrow suggests uh, that there may be a different villain, that he's not behind all these pumpkins. Uh, Fred saves Mike and Michelle uh, using the mystery machine's long arms, and then it runs out of electric power, probably because of all that shit. Uh, Velma tries to save the Scarecrow from the jack-o'-lanterns, uh, but has to fight a bunch of them. And then Scarecrow puts on his suit, and he does all kinds of fucking badass flips. He pulls out a scythe. Uh, does he do that stuff in the Sick. comics? Uh, I mean, I always, I, I don't, uh, to be honest, whenever I've seen a Scarecrow comic, he just uses fear gas to make people fall on the ground, and then he yeah. runs away mm-hmm. or steals something. I don't think of him as a as a badass fighter, but everybody in this show is. They're all, I mean, they all have moves. This is the useful thing that they like where where Velma has released him like he is he is effective in like helping them fight like but they set it up like oh Velma like I got to go like get some clues from him and they have this scene that is kind of like you know uh Clarice visiting Hannibal Lecter another thing that kids <laughs> very much so. yeah, yeah that's the reference that the kids are looking for too <laughs> well because she does she also does walk past Zaz in his cell and he throws a cup full of cum at her just like in Silence of the Lambs <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. but like Zaz I don't think she gets... it would be the third weirdest thing in this movie <laughs> if that did happen but I don't think she actually gets any clues from like talking to him. Like she already knew that he said that there was some other oh, person in charge. They gained, she gets nothing from the yeah. from the conversation. But but then uh yeah he he managed he to go becomes a hero and saves them mainly because he's a big fan of Alvira, It turns out yeah, which makes sense. Uh, the whole mystery incorporate plus Mike and Michelle all jump into Elvira's car. Uh, Mike and Michelle just keep being in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it is super not clear why. Yeah, I th- he made a vague promise about uh, caramel corn, caramel corn. And- it's like a life debt. He's like, I've got to follow these kids. Yeah. <laughs> Get them that caramel corn. Yeah, otherwise, otherwise, like a normal reaction would be like, I'm just going to leave these teenagers to be killed by these pumpkins, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have a daughter. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I, if I if I was somewhere with 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 my young children, I wouldn't be like. We're in an adventure now, kids. Like, hurry up! It's that like since at any moment Mike and Michelle could just pull off on any exit and just go into a town and not be chased by pumpkin monsters. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the uh, scarecrow gets overcome by the jack. Can we mention Mike's in a cowboy costume? Oh yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> they're both dressed as cow as maybe, cow folk. That's true. That's I forgot about part that. Of it. Maybe dressed up as a cow folk. He's like, I feel a sense of I'm honor bound in this uh, like this Western I'm way to. Yeah, I'm inhabiting the the look. Yeah, the character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so modern they... day modern day Mike would <clears throat> run and save himself and his daughter, but old West Mike he follows a different code. Yeah, he's yeah. got to he's got to do what's right. He follows the code that when their gas, uh, their car runs out of gas, they abandon the vehicle and run off into the woods to a spooky house up a hill. They prepare to fight. Fred does this, like, predator, like, Dutch from Predator thing where he makes a bunch of fucking traps and then he, like, lights a bonfire. <laughs> which which, which uh, <laughs> Daphne watches while eating popcorn yeah. and watches shirtless Fred instead <laughs> of all of his traps. Yeah. And these are much more violent traps too than you would expect. These are death traps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they these are, are killing these pumpkins. Uh, so uh, Sh- Scooby and Shaggy then make Velma eat a Scooby snack so they can follow her into her mind palace. Mm-hmm. That I don't the, even the Scooby know snack a lot what... creates a bond, of course. And you they... would expect that the FDA would not allow this product <laughs> on the market if it has this kind of psychotropic properties. This is something. You're trying... It's it's clearly like leaning into the drug par- references of Shaggy, yeah. but it doesn't map to any sort of like it doesn't map one to one to a drug experience. I mean, yeah. they're treating it almost like like peyote or something. Like, <laughs> we'll all eat the same Scooby snacks and we'll be bonded. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. So they travel through Velma's memories of the uh, the inciting incident. Um, they I, they don't really figure anything out, right? They just well, like, they do because like apparently their consciousness merges enough that she sees the drone that Shaggy the, saw yeah. earlier mm-hmm. that has the uh, the the writing on it that will help crack the case. Yeah. So the pumpkins arrive and uh, all their cars just get wrecked. It's pretty crazy. And then uh, then Fred's traps murder a shitload of pumpkins. <laughs> then they charge and murder more pumpkins. Along with a musical montage, this was uh, this was pretty fun. Uh, and then, despite all, the- there's there's so much, so many points in the movie where they're like, "I guess we got to fight some pumpkins," and they're just massacring these pumpkins. Like yeah. they could yeah. easily take out all of them. And then at a certain point, they go up. Oh, more pumpkins. We got to get out of here. Yeah. And I never, I'm never quite sure how they make do that mental math. But you yeah. got to keep the story moving, I guess. And uh-huh. there's that giant pumpkin that's the size of like an elephant. Yeah, I think they're so. mostly afraid Mega of that big pumpkin. pumpkin. Yeah. Uh, so despite all their efforts, they're surrounded. Uh, Velma admits that she is frightened, and she then charges into the alpha pumpkin's mouth. Uh, then an app shuts down all the pumpkins, turns out that they're all drones, and that the alpha pumpkin is like a drone factory that like captures people and then takes their stuff and puts it on a new jack-o'-lantern and then keeps them in a crappy little like uh, cell. <laughs> It's like it's an elaborate way of making you think that people are being turned into pumpkin monsters when uh-huh. the pumpkin monsters would be just as effective if they didn't try to convince you that they were turning people into pumpkin monsters mm-hmm. okay, and they were just quick. eating people. Justin, the, if you if Justin if you're captured by the alpha pumpkin, what of what of your garments would they take to put on a jack-o'-lantern to make us think, "Oh fuck, Justin's now a jack-o'-lantern." Yeah, I don't. I, a Hawaiian shirt, Hawaiian shirt I guess, yeah. would be the one. Maybe my my woodworking goggles. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. They would fly I, out wearing those, and we'd say it's a mac o' lantern. We got to get out of here. Yeah, I, that guys, as a Flophouse listener, I've uh, made uh, an, I would say a not infrequent situation is me listening to the podcast with little to no familiarity of the film that you are describing. Uh-huh. But I am listening to this 
discussion as both a viewer of the film and a listener and this has got to be one of the ones that sounds the most me. <laughs> <laughs> this has got to be way up there on like Stewart is saying these things yeah. as if like, well, and then, you know, the alpha pumpkin has been transforming them and the Velma is in the mind palace with Shaggy and their consciousness is formed. It is indescribably strange. Yeah. Well, the amount of times I had to pause the movie to be like, okay, I got to write some sentences down. <laughs> a lot of stuff also, Hearing it described back to me, like, really has sort of undone, like, a, a lodestone of, like, Scooby-Doo in general, where I'm just like, okay, wait, hold on. Why does the villain need to convince everyone else that something supernatural is happening? <laughs> yeah, but, you know, yeah. You know, it's never it been adequately answered in 50 years of Scooby-Doo <laughs> pro, uh, pro- productions. It's, I mean, the, yeah. I think what I... Uh, it's it's basically just a means to get these incredibly charismatic characters. Shaggy, a cowardly hippie, Scooby Doo, a cowardly dog, uh, yeah. Velma, a smart nerd, uh, Daphne, a blank, a sociopath whose mask hides nothing behind it, and and Fred, who's kind of, you know, a a, a lumbering lunkhead with a sweater on. Trap it's just man, to yeah. get those guys in action and, and traps. It's just to get them in action and hope that they eventually run into the Three Stooges or perhaps Sonny and Cher or Tim Conway or someone else that you'd see on TV in the 1970s, you know? It's That's... wild because you see you see in the character select screen, you'd see Fred and you'd be like, he's a bruiser. He's just going to go in there. He's going to hit big, but he's going to be slow. But you wouldn't expect him to be a trap character, but whatever, man. You know, it's cool. Sometimes games change it up. It is uh, funny seeing like those old celebrity Scooby Doo's because you have the same sensation like when you're watching an old Muppet show where you're like, uh, I guess this person was popular at one point. <laughs> I don't know who they are. Like, you know, sometimes you get a Mark Hamill, and then sometimes you get someone and you're like, okay, they were uh, a dancer, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, Along with Elvira, they in late in the almost at the end reference a celebrity crossover that literally no child will <laughs> enjoy or appreciate. It's there's a Phyllis Diller nod yeah is absolutely bizarre <laughs> so, no reason to think that a child would enjoy that so what would the what would be the like modern day equivalent if scooby-doo was doing with celebrities now what they did then would it be like i don't know who they are they teaming up with judge judy or are they teaming up well, with jim parsons uh, uh, like who would it be i actually have an answer for this mm. because they uh the current series or at least the most recent series it's is called scooby-doo and guess who mm. uh which is each uh, episode is with a new uh, celebrity. So uh, just recently, we have uh, the, the the premiere episode was uh, NBA basketball legend Chris Paul. Okay, and then um, there's the ghost of Abraham Lincoln is in the next one. I mean, that's there's not a crossover. That doesn't seem like a real <laughs> guest star. I have to say, a, they, they, I mean, that's a pretty big gift. If they can Ellie, get him, I, I mean, know, I'd be excited. I mean, if it says "Ghost of Abraham Lincoln" himself in the credits, then yes, that's a huge get. But yeah, this is the vi- yeah. So we've got the next one is Wanda Sykes, and then it's Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> and then it's Ricky Gervais, and then it's Wonder what? Woman, and and Wait, then it's Penn and Teller. Is gonna tell everybody to be atheists. Yeah, is it Ricky Gervais as himself? <laughs> It's gotta be, guys. Right? I'm gonna tell you the the. I'm gonna. I'm just trying to tell you that it's Ricky Gervais and then Wonder Woman and then Penn and Teller and then Urkel from Family Matters. Wait, but it's Urkel or it's Jaleel White? No, it's Urkel. It's the character <laughs> Urkel. Jim Gaffigan okay. and Weird Al. Uh, and uh, Sia. Yep. I love the idea. No, this is good because it's like Scooby Doo and the Mystery Gang. They're like. Uh, 
the man thing in the Marvel comics who's the guardian of the nexus of all realities. So who knows what could pop out of Barbarian, (laughs) Howard the Duck. The Scooby-Doo gang can meet anybody in any reality at any point in time. You know, that's pretty – that one one week they're hanging out with uh, Jordan Peterson and the next week it's them and (laughs) – it's them and uh, Justin Bieber and the next week it's them and Rick Moranis. I guess these are just all Canadian people. Hold on. There's no room to your house. I'm losing it over here, guys, because then we've got what's described as comedy rocker Kenan Thompson. Okay. <laughs> comedy rocker. Uh, comedy rocker. Batman. Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> Halsey. <laughs> Halsey. And then <laughs> Mark Hamill. <laughs> and then The Flash. <laughs> and then George <laughs> And then Steve Buscemi. Wait, Steve Buscemi's in it? Did we check it with Jeff Dunham? <laughs> <laughs> and then we're just going to take a real quick spin over to see Maddie Ziegler from Dance Bombs. And then his head over the horizon, it's Jeff Fonsworth. <laughs> <laughs> Followed up by Malcolm McDowell. What? So it so it sounds like they they literally put the names of every human being in the world in a hat, and they just pick them out. Are fictional characters, including some fictional characters. Guys, while investigating a werewolf attack on Broadway, the gang runs into actor and voice talent Christian Slater, who joins him on this heartbreaking song-filled musical mystery centered around the prom night that changed his life forever. And then it's finally Neil deGrasse Tyson. Heartbreaking. (laughs) Holy. (laughs) Season two just kicked off, though. Make sure to get in there. You're going to meet Casey Musgraves and uh, Morgan Freeman. Oh, wow. A (laughs) team up I never expected, but... Uh, this welcome. week we're teaming up with Billy Eilish, and next week it's Odysseus, and the week after that it's Arsenio Hall, and then the week after that it's Adam of Adam and Eve fame. Uh, actually, it's Kristen Shaw and Joey Chestnut. Joey and, Chestnut. Uh, <laughs> guys, wow, man alive! It's so mad about it's, 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 if it goes in the, if it continues in this direction it's going to be eventually Matthew Lillard and it's going to be <laughs> Ouroboros the, the, the shag yeah. will eat his own tail that's when the earth explodes yeah okay so the sheriff reveals his crazy plan it turns out the sheriff's the villain no big surprise um, so the sheriff's the villain he has a crazy plan to spend millions of dollars to slowly become a local sheriff and be mean to some teenagers and then steal some crystals and then well, make he more was, millions. Well, because he was a ri- he was a rich guy who the the kids unmasked and and got in trouble. Yeah, yeah. so that yeah. justifies his uh, spending well, no, millions. I'm just saying it's a revenge plot. I'm not saying yeah. the sheriff didn't win the lottery and decide that he was going to spend <laughs> that millions to get get even with some kids. That's concerned about is that the sheriff had, had <laughs> illegally stolen the money or something. Well, um, but, so they tracked. But he. But can I say like he's already failed once at this like. I'm going to have a supernatural scam thing. Like, why? if he's going to re- have revenge on the kids, why not just show up and shoot him? I don't hey, look, know. look, Scorpion keeps getting caught by Spider-Man, but every time he breaks out of jail, he puts that damn tail back on That's and just true. tries to hit Spider-Man <laughs> with it. Like, people, do, people get stuck in cycles, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because after a while, you're like, I spent so much time on the, learning how to use this fucking Scorpion tail. Yeah, I don't want to try and do yeah. something different. He's like, I'm too old to learn a new employment skill. This hey, is just man. what I, I do. Want to change his, he didn't want to change his Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think so I'm still a comedy writer? It's so hard for me to get at Scorpion1. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, so they track the sheriff's phone. They try to catch him, but uh, oh, 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 the scarecrow's already got him. Uh, his car has been abandoned. Um, they wander, oh, it's just, and it's just implied that the scarecrow has taken him to torture or kill him. Like he's just yeah. gone in the scarecrow's clutches. Yeah. So they then wa- uh, wander down the street with Elvira. They happen upon a Halloween party. They argue with the host who keeps inviting them, and they keep trying to come up with excuses for why they shouldn't go to the party. At this point <laughs> in the movie, I was like, why is the movie still happening? Yeah. Why, why aren't they just joining this party? Why are they so resistant to being at this party? Shaggy and Scooby see a snack station, so they start to drool so much, their drool becomes a river, and then they stand up surf all the way to the snack station. <laughs> <laughs> Elvira reveals that she realizes Daphne's uh, whole reason for trying to be mentored by Elvira is that so that she could take Elvira's clothes and be Elvira for Halloween. So Elvira gives Daphne her wig, which is actually a monkey, and then wanders (laughs) away. Well, also, let's be clear. At first, they're like, hey, was your plan to take Elvira's clothes for a costume? And then it becomes implied that it's more like a single white field female situation Not a, where that's when they wants ma- to steal Elvira's life that's yeah. when they mention and Phyllis Diller they say we went on three mysteries with Phyllis Diller before we realized it was Daphne <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil- really so Phyllis Diller's body is just in a freezer somewhere while, yeah. while Daphne yeah. was running around with her clothes but but yeah, I think the moment when Elvira takes off her wig and it's re- revealed to be a big ape that sits on her head was, was I think when the movie kind of entered a new realm for me <laughs> Yeah, bald Elvira wanders off and sort of gives an outro to the movie. Yeah, a little Crypt Keeper outro. Her head turns around and she's got a scary face. Famously red-haired Cassandra Peterson suddenly uh-huh. walking away bald for some reason. But Yeah, because they have to have the reveal where she turns, like her neck twists all the way around like an owl. And she has a like a weird alien face on the back of her bald right. head. It's like the again, not for kids. No, not a good no. fit for children at all. The yeah, movie in the pa- in the last five minutes, ending. in the last five minutes, it kind of gives a glimpse of what this movie could have been if it was even crazier. Like yeah. if yeah. it was, <laughs> if the movie is like it's riding this this thing where it's like, yeah, I guess it's Scooby Doo, but it's a little sillier. And then the end is just like, hey, you know what? This is what you could have been watching. Just bonkers. <laughs> yeah, uh, a glimpse uh, into madness is Happy Halloween, Scooby Doo. So, yeah. what's the next part of the podcast, Dan? Well, we got to make our final judgments on this movie, whether it's a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked. I will say, um, so if, if you were a bigger Scooby-Doo fan, like, Audrey was eating this up. So I have to assume that if you like Scooby-Doo, this is like the Citizen Kane of Scooby-Doo films. Uh, I liked a lot of the silliness. I got to admit, like, at a certain point, the movie started dragging for me, which is crazy because it is only 70 minutes long and so much crazy stuff is happening at all times. But there came a point where I'm like, all right, I know that the the ending to this is not going to make any sense. Let's just get to the solution of the mystery. Um, but I guess marginally, look, if this is your thing, it was fun. I kind of liked it, but it, it's borderline. What do you guys have to say? Uh, I would say also that I kind of liked it. I'd give it a more 
full-throated recommendation than Dan did. I would say it does drag a little in the four hours or so that they spend driving on the yep. road, but that's just based on reality. They said Crystal Cove is this far away from the nearest town. We yeah, cannot yeah. have them drive less because people are going to be like, wait a minute, there are no towns that close to Crystal Cove. They've got to be on the road longer than that. And I totally understand not wanting to end up in the goof section of IMDb. But uh, otherwise, not, as someone who is not a fan of Scooby-Doo, it was fun to see a Scooby-Doo thing where I was like, oh, there's like a lot of funny jokes in this. And but like Dustin was saying, it's not all meta jokes. You know, there's yeah. some, but it's not all like them just undercutting what what a Scooby Doo should be. And until we get that gritty, realistic reboot of Scooby Doo, a la Detective Pikachu, then this is the best uh-huh. we're gonna get. So I say I kind of liked it. Yeah, it's basically that Venture Brothers episode. Um, I uh, I think I'll, I'll I'll join you guys. I'll say it's a movie I kind of liked. I will say that trying to write a plot summary for this movie was. <laughs> Like Pecos Bill trying to lasso a fucking whirlwind. <laughs> uh, uh, but stuff stuff certainly happened. Yeah. And Justin, I, I think you might be the most positive. Well, it's just, you know, as you watch enough animated films as a parent that um, so many of them are, and, and Elliot can test this, so many of them, the work has not been put into not even making it something adults can enjoy, but just like a functional piece of <laughs> entertainment. Yeah. That when you stumble on something like that, it's almost kind of a nice surprise. Like we turned it on around Halloween. Cause I don't know, Scooby-Doo, it's a new Halloween movie and it, you know, whatever kids, they watched Scoob <clears throat> and enjoyed it, which is, doesn't speak well of their character, <laughs> uh, but I, they have two parents. I'm only half of their parents. So, mm-hmm. The whole time they were the whole time they were clapping and laughing at Scoob, you would turn to your wife and say, "This is your; these are your genes. <laughs> this is these your are, genes. This is not my genetics." It's like it's just kind of a relief when you find something. that's like, oh, somebody actually tried on this. Like somebody actually put the work in and made this. Like made some good jokes in here. I I I can watch this thirty times <laughs> and not be driven mad. Um, uh, so yeah, on that on that basis, I I I. I think it's a quality piece of of entertainment. I, you're not going to go in uh, getting your guts busted constantly as an adult, but <laughs> if you go in a little uh, in the right frame of mind, there's a lot of fun fun stuff going on. It is surprisingly uh, uh, there's a lot of adult comedies that do not deliver as many laughs yeah. as this as this film does. I will say that it, we're we're uh, in a stage in Hollywood where uh, actually funny comedies are are pretty. Hard to come by, mm-hmm. so uh, this this will have to do. <laughs> this, uh, this will have to do, screams the quote on the box. From <laughs> <laughs> this will have to Scooby-Doo. <laughs> In a world bereft of truly funny adult comedies, this will have to Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that's, that's, the name, that's the name of the next film, this will have to Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Congratulations, you've won a ticket to attend an exclusive opportunity in a relaxing environment with two lovers. <laughs> wow. Well, this sounds like a sort of proposition of sorts, but really it's an ad for our podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. It's a show we do here on Maximum Fun where we talk about things that we like and things that we're into. I'm Rachel McElroy, and you just heard Griffin McElroy, and we are excited for you to join us as we talk about movies and music and books. Things like sneezing or the idea of rain. (laughs) (laughs) Can you get news or information you can use? Absolutely you cannot, because we're here to talk to you about pumpernickel bread. You can find new episodes on Wednesdays. So catch, catch the wave! 
I, I can remember as, as a child thinking it was odd that here was this can full of meat. I'm Jesse Thorne. This week on my show, Bullseye, David Letterman on shame, regret, and canned hams. Is this the best delivery version of, of pork? That's this week on Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can turn your cool idea into a new website. You can blog or publish content. You can sell products and services of all kinds and much, much more. And Squarespace helps you do this by giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers. Everything optimized for mobile right out of the box. A new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, free and secure hosting, and more. Head to squarespace.com flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, Dan, I had an idea for a website, and I was hoping that, inspired by today's movie, and I was wondering if mm-hmm. Squarespace you think could help me. Uh, probably, but let's hear it. Okay, so this is a this is a business website. It is called www.nonster.com. That's N-O-N-N as in no, as yeah. in non, not yeah. a monster. How mm-hmm. many times has this happened to you? You hear a story about a ghoul, ghost, monster, gremlin, or other mis- fantastical being somewhere mm-hmm. in our great nation. You get in your van. You get your friends together. You get your talking dog with you. You head to that location to see this cool monster for yourself, only for it to turn out to be some dude who has plans for a public park and wants to buy it and turn it into a oil refinery. So he's mm-hmm. scaring people away by pretending to be like you know the Pittsburgh Palooka or something like that. What a disappointment! I wish I'd yeah. saved the time, isn't energy, the, isn't the and the drive. Palooka, the nickname of the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> that's a good point and very topical okay so instead <laughs> let's call him the boise boogeyman so you go all the way to boise and not a boogeyman just some dude i wish that there'd been a website out there a kind of snopes uh legend denying website that told me when it was a monster or what i'm calling a nonster or not monster now i know there's some difficulty here because monster and nonster sound very similar be sure that you are putting in nonster with an n as in norville not a monster with an m as in moreville which is what you would say if you wanted Mm -hmm. more of a ville this isn't enough town give me more of it whereas Uh norville is what you would be saying if you're talking about norville jones the main character from the miracle morgan's creek starring eddie bracken and betty hutton now (laughs) www.nonster.com it's your place for both public crowdsourced comments on what are real monsters and what are not and what are, basically what are ah real monsters and what are nah real nonsters so we have yeah, people all over the place it's like it's like ways but for monsters and nonsters and they send in their reports and you can just look it up tip tap tap that's you typing in the monster's name on the keyboard and up oh, it turns out that uh the san antonio uh psycho uh i thought it was some kind of toxic waste created humanoid chud no, nope. it turns out it's just some guy who is trying to sell his minor league baseball team to a different city and wants it to seem that the stadium is haunted now, or something. I don't mean to split hairs here, but you just said humanoid chud, and now aren't chuds always humanoid? Isn't that part of the description? That's like saying ATM machine. That's a very good point, and you know what? Forget the whole website. You just figured out that you just figured out that I don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I mean that's so, why we have these kind of rap sessions, right? Is so I can poke holes and like find out if there's mm-hmm. any mistakes or you know. No, I appreciate. It. I appreciate it. So when I say instead of instead of humanoid chud, maybe I should have said some kind of um, 
uh, some kind of uh, Leon- Leonid chud, uh-huh. kind of lion-based cannibalistic I mean, humanoid yeah. underground dweller. I don't know. I don't know if it would have worked, but it's over now. You know, we're past. It. I, that's true. Yeah. We can't change the past, and I'm just Monday morning quarterbacking at this point. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's www.nonster.com website. I am now officially canceling because Stuart has pointed out that I'm the wrong person to run it. Yeah. Dan, maybe you want to take this on, but Squarespace, I think, is the company to help you. Well, that was certainly an effective ad for Squarespace. Stuart, do you have a Jumbotron for us? I do have a Jumbotron. Garbage warlocks Alex and Ian dive headfirst into the raging dumpster fire that is seasonal anime. Join them as they uncover hidden gems, discuss how a snake girl would wear a onesie, and hand out awards to the best shows at the end of every season. With almost two years' worth of episodes, there's plenty of goofs and random tangents to dive into. Look for The Protagonist Seat podcast on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, when they say seasonal anime, they mean do they mean anime that comes in seasons, like TV seasons, or do they mean like a very Akira Christmas, that kind of stuff? That is a <laughs> question that is not explained. I can't answer it, but maybe, I mean, maybe there is like fall anime, summer anime. <laughs> maybe that's it, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like Happy Fourth of July Project, Aiko, like that uh-huh. kind of stuff? Yep. Yeah, okay. Uh, All like, my anime references, as you can tell, are 30 years old. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, yeah, Ran Ma Half is now Ran Ma 43 and a half, right? Uh, I guess. <laughs> anyway, it's, been a, yeah. it's been a long time, I don't know. But... Yeah, yeah, uh, happy Dragon's Balls giving everyone. Uh-huh. So, I have another Jumbotron. This is a message for Nathan, yeah. and this message is from Sarah. And Sarah writes to Nathan, she says, Happy 40th! You're one of my oldest friends, and now you're also old, in capital letters. I'm so glad we've remained friends all these years, and I'm inspired by how much you've accomplished. You're truly the Stuart Wellington to my Elliot Kalin. John is obviously Dan, which means Ellis must be the Flophouse house cat. It's perfect. Love and hugs to you both, Sarah. How sweet. That's a sweet message, and I wish I knew who all these people were so I could uh, see who we, you know, track toward. Who we uh, match up with? Yeah, how well we map. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, guys, uh, uh, you know, Sharko and Hippo is still available. Stewart it's... still still owns some bars. I so... mean, Sharko and Hippo for people who are just checking in is a book that I wrote. It's not. I mean, I mean otherwise, that sentence that Dan said would, though true, would seem <laughs> completely incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yes. they'd be like, "What is that?" Then they Google it, and hopefully, the first Google result would be the book you wrote, and not something I don't know weird or no probably it would be nonster.com telling you that sharko and hippo are not real monsters yeah. they are in fact the stars of my new children's book sharko and hippo but sharko and hippo it's available in bookstores everywhere get it through your local independent bookstore and of course hinterlands bar still barring along after all these years uh-huh. i'm and, casey Kasem and minnie's bar which is barring after slightly not as many years but it's still barring i'm casey Kasem. <laughs> dan are you also casey Kasem? i'm also casey Kasem. And Elliot is Casey Kasem. And back to the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, next we move on to letters. And the first letter is from Marlena, last name withheld. Who writes? Marlena Marlena Dietrich, one of the great legends of the screen. It's an honor to get a letter from her. Mm -hmm. Uh 
She writes, I, I just listened to your recent episode with Mike Rice, and I thought I'd share the story of why that's a big deal for me. So here's a tale of how a brief encounter with Mike Rice made me accidentally and hopefully temporarily ruin The Simpsons for myself. I think his name might be pronounced Reese. Yeah. I I was confused, too. and I it's spelled Rice. Yeah, I, I looked up the, the pronunciation of that name and... The, the internet said rice, but I don't know if mm, let's say I could Mike be Reese. wrong. Let's okay. let's let's call him Mike Simpsons. Yeah, Mike Simpsons. This brings me to a few winters ago. My dad and I went to the Museum of Modern Art for a showing of silent comedy, something we both love. When the couple next to us took their seats and started talking to each other, I tensed with recognition. That's a Simpsons writer. I whispered to my dad. I was certain it was Mike Simpsons, whose voice <laughs> I had been listening to in commentaries for all those years. I surreptitiously Googled to match the face to the name, and yes, it was definitely him. There wasn't time to do or say anything since the movies began shortly after. I did enjoy finding out what jokes Mike uh, Simpsons laughed at, though. <laughs> I'm a pretty reserved and somewhat socially anxious person, so I knew needed I knew I would need my dad's prompting to tell Mike that I was a huge fan after the screening. Unfortunately, my dad is even more reserved than I, and when I asked if I should say something, he did not encourage it. So I didn't say anything, a decision I regretted pretty much instantly after leaving the theater. This regret was compounded when my mom and friends, I told, assured me that he probably would have been flattered and not annoyed by the intrusion. The regret icing on the cake was realizing that I had actually been wearing my Bartman sweatshirt to the screening. Now, as I said, I am an anxious person and I have trouble compartmentalizing, so instead of just having a twinge of regret when I listened to the commentaries, I had soured the entire experience of The Simpsons for myself. I couldn't casually watch an episode without thinking of what a mistake I'd made. As time has passed, I've started to watch again, but never with the same fervor and joy as I used to have. Well, there might be other reasons. Uh, so, it wow. was a big step. Wow, when big I listened. dig on the show, Dan. Oh, <laughs> It's certainly it's well, hard it, for a show to maintain consistent quality over thirty years and four million episodes. But come on, Dan, I, I watched till very recently, so it was a big step <laughs> when I listened to your episode with Mike as a guest and didn't feel any psychic pain. Maybe I'm back on my way to wholeheartedly loving my favorite show again. The next step is wearing all my various Simpson shirts again. <laughs> Thank you, Peaches, for being part of the healing process. Marlena, last name withheld. I just, uh, you know. Wanted to share that that moment of healing. Sure, <laughs> the Flophouse sure. is here sure, for you yeah. in ways big and small. Yeah. And, yeah, and you know what? If you ever run into him again, introduce yourself. As 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 longtime listeners may remember, I have long regretted that I never sent Ray Harryhausen a fan letter because uh, I was always like, I'll get around to it. And then, of course, he was an old man and he passed away. Uh, but <clears throat> the way to do it, uh, just a tip for next time, is not to do it the way my grandma does where – there was more than one occasion where she and I would be at the theater, me and my grandmother, who I love, and Wallace Shawn from Princess Bride would be in the audience, and she would ask me who he was and what his name was, mere seats away from the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> and I would try to surreptitiously say, oh, that's, that's Wallace Shawn. What? What's his name? His father was the editor of The New Yorker. What's his name? And it was, it, it was always right. excruciating, and then after the fact, I found it pretty funny. <laughs> And also fa I, famously I, kind of a grumpy man. So I'm oh, sure yeah. Sure. You, I'm sure he did not enjoy having someone, having an old woman loudly near him question who, his, who he is. I have uh, long 
try to encourage people that like if you see someone whose work you enjoy, I don't care how famous they are. I I think everyone always likes to hear, "I like the things you make." Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a little like even especially if you're having a kind of a bummer day. Yeah. I think that's all. I can't imagine a situation where I wouldn't want someone to be like, "Good, yeah, you're good." Yeah. As, now my as long as you don't now the CD uh, bend their ear, I think I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah, the seedy underbelly of that advice <laughs> is that one time I was at the uh, LAX and I saw John C. McGinley and I thought, I'm going to go over there and say hi to John C. McGinley. I love John C. McGinley. And we're in line at the the thing, you know, in the TSA line. So, like, we kept serpentining past each other and I had all these opportunities. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do yeah. it now. I'm going to do it now. And afterwards, I was kicking myself. I was like, damn it. Should have said something to John C. McGinley. And as I was boarding my plane, I, th- I realized in my head, that was John C. Riley. And if I had gone up to him, yeah, and I, yeah. <laughs> if I had gone up to him, I would have said, Mr. McGinley, yeah. <laughs> Mr. McGinley, I'm sure you get this all the time, which I doubt he does, because his name's John yeah. C. Riley. Uh, uh, I, I, I would have been so to John C. McGinley, too, but yeah, it, it was, I saved myself that jumped time. Jumped into yeah. some like scrub scenes and stuff. And- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's why oh, it's always a good idea, to, as the letter writer said, to Google the person to just to make sure you get the, right. everything right. I would say judge the vibe, see if they're in a good mood. I, I did see Adam Scott at uh, Tootsie, the Broadway show of Tootsie, and uh, afterwards, like I was very close to him, and if I had been one person closer, I would have told him how much I love Piranha 3D, which is not ironic. Uh, but he he kind of looked like he was he was keen on getting out of there and not being impossible he saw tootsie there's no <laughs> yeah, way that's yeah. possible yeah. Well, you would have, i was probably still laughing you would have been the second best part of his night after seeing yeah. tootsie well I, I i mean it's it's kind of famous among broadway hounds that he was lobbying very hard for the lead role in tootsie and did <laughs> not get it and he went to every show just to scowl through it and think about how much better he would have been in that role uh, that was uh, that was the was guy from uh, that was the guy from uh, crazy ex-girlfriend right who, who uh, actually played it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rachel Bloom. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> that's not f- a guy, and it's not the person who was in Tootsie. That's the star of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second and final uh, letter of the evening or morning, whenever you listen. Uh, Amy, last name withheld, writes. Amy Adams, again, uh, hugely impressive. Yeah. yeah. I'm writing to ask if you could all name a pet after any character from a movie. What name would you choose? Thanks for the great podcast. Amy, last name withheld. Uh, I got to say, my last two cats have been named after um, old movie stars, uh, not necessarily their characters. In one case, named after the character that came to be identified with them. My first cat, Lulu, was named after Louise Brooks, who was uh, often called Lulu because of her character in uh, Pandora's Box. And, uh, And we... We called her that because early on, uh, Lulu did not make any noise, and we thought, "Is this cat mute?" Um, and so, a silent film star uh, came to my mind. Um, and Archie is named after Archie Leach, which is Cary Grant's real name. Uh, but the uh, but uh, guys, do you have characters for movies you would? name your cats after or dogs or pets of any kind sure i mean the main reason why i think charlene's not going to let me ever buy a dog or adopt a dog is uh because i would 100 percent name them after the most noble of all the jedi that's right 
key doggy uh, mundi or key doggy doggy or dog addy mundi i don't i haven't decided which one i want to go or rodney doggerfield dogney doggerfield that's already taken and also not a character that's a uh, the actor i'm talking about the character key Addy. it's kind of the character he played uh, eventually you know that's true yeah yeah, Anybody I probably, else? I probably, you know, my, the Thin Man is one of my favorite movies. And of course, I'd, I'd name it after the titular Thin Man, Claude Winant. So my dog Claude Winant, or maybe it's a fish or a cat. Uh, that's what I'd name him or her, Claude Winant. Sorry, Clyde yeah. Winant. Probably Teddy KGB from Rounders. <laughs> <laughs> Because the, because the pet's accent is outrageous. <laughs> I'll splash the dog food whenever I want. Uh, no, it just seems like it would be fun to have a dog named Teddy KG. Sure. <laughs> it would be good now that I think about it. I came up with that in the moment, but I think it would be would Sometimes be it's the so, best one. So, I, so uh, <clears throat> I mean, Scooby-Doo tells us, as we've postulated that a dog is named that'd be a good one too scooby-doo scooby-doo is named after dogs are named after the foods they like best so i guess if i had a dog he'd be named pill wrapped in cheese Uh (laughs) (laughs) um okay does that mean i have to start calling my two-year-old old pringles (laughs) yes because that's her whole thing carpet pringles get over here we uh I, we earlier before recording this, uh, my family and I we went out to play some baseball at the local uh, rec center, and just the family. And uh, my younger son, the two year old, was holding a rice cake. And every time a tiny grain of rice cake would fall on the ground, he would scrabble for it. That was the one he wanted to eat the most. And I'd have to pull it from his hand and throw it away. And he literally has a whole rice cake in his hand, but it's like yeah. each grain in the dirt is what he wants to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a country, am I right? in this economy uh so now the last segment comes that is recommendations movies that maybe you know would be an adult human would fully enjoy rather than or watch it as a a, watch it as a movie marathon along with happy halloween scooby-doo uh, sure. Uh, I want to recommend, um, I, I'm glad Justin is here for this. I may be recommending this in part because Justin is here. Um, yesterday, a friend of ours um, had a Tom Arnold marathon on Twitch of three movies released, all I believe in 1996. He had Carpool, uh, The Stupids, and Big Bully. That was Tom Arnold's big year, I guess, when they're really trying to make him happen. And, uh, I only saw in full The Stupids, which is the one I cared about because as a big uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me listener, I've heard it referenced many times. And I got to say, it was very funny. I laughed a lot. It's it's really good. <laughs> the Stupids holds up. It is fantastic. Yeah, the, What a film. I think it was not appreciated because, as the title would suggest, it is very stupid. But it is stupid in a mm-hmm. smart way. Like, they have really put a lot of work into creating a house of cards that pays off by the end of just, like, idiotic misapprehensive misapprehensions. And, mm-hmm. like, I don't think everyone in it is doing a great job. Like, I kind of feel like Mrs. Stupid is playing stupid more than, like, Tom Arnold. Mm-hmm. I believe with my full heart and soul that he is this stupid character. But, uh... Jesus, it's a hard one to recommend to people because they might watch it and be like, what is wrong with you? But I was watching it and being like, I can't imagine anyone not laughing at this. There's so. an actor named Bug Hall in it. Yeah. Plays Buster Stupid. Okay. Yeah. 
Bug Hall, it's hilarious. You and I had a, uh, we watched the entire uh, Bug Hall omnibus because I watched Little Rascals <laughs> with my kids last week. So those are all the, all the Bug Hall movies. Yeah. Now he played Alfalfa in that one. Now that is all the Bug Hall films. Oh, he's, uh, oh, he's, he's in a bunch of other movies, it turns out, as a, as a more of a grown up. I didn't realize this Bug Hall. I like Atlas Shrugged Part Two, apparently he's in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Max movies. Landis is in it as a graffiti artist. Oh, damn. Well, he must have ch- loved that. A, it's a John Landis directed <laughs> film. Oh yeah, uh, John Landis. He doesn't murder anyone in this one, right? No, he does yeah, how not many murder. People di- how many people died during the making of the stupid stand? <laughs> if, if anyone died, he covered it up effectively. Oh, wait, yes. and there's a there's a cameo in it according to Wikipedia from from director Costa Gavras. So that's pretty amazing. The director <laughs> of Z. Lot, David and... Cronenberg is in it as well. There are a lot of oh, wow. directors. That's cameos. And, you know, da- Nick Garris. Uh, I'm not recommending the Little Rascals, but I do want to say that Donald Trump is in the Little Rascals as the father of the rich kid. Oh Ugh. right. Um, and there's an out take where he reaches over and steals this lady's popcorn and and it's clearly like improvised mm-hmm. he like reaches over and steals this lady's popcorn and eats some of it and it's like oh that's a funny outtake okay fine put that in there's a different outtake and then they cut back to this one and they showed donald trump spitting the chewed up popcorn onto the person sitting in front of them <laughs> and saying this popcorn really is terrible that is not improvised. That is just how he, what he was doing with his human life. And they caught it on a film, and they just put it, put it, uh, put it in the in the outtakes. He uh, was really a terrible person. Full, full slice of hero. Yeah, he always. It was, it's it's not like power drove him mad. He was always a always a bad person. No, he sucks always. Yeah. Dan, the uh, the Wikipedia list of celebrity cameos for the stupids is making me want to see it because it's almost like a Scooby Doo series because it's like. You got Jenny McCarthy, okay, it was made in the 90s. Then you've got Atomy Goyen, Norman Jewison, Robert Wise, Gilo Pontecorvo. This uh-huh. is, yeah, you know, Max, John Landis is really calling in all of his, <laughs> his director it, buddies to be in the stupids. A lot of very, very strange jokes in it that you would not expect. Yeah. But, uh, that sounds great. Uh, it's funny you mentioned David Cronenberg. I'm going to recommend a movie called Possessor or Possessor Uncut, which is directed by the son of uh, David Cronenberg, Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, it is uh, a nice little gross thriller. It's kind of like if you took a laser disc of a Christopher Nolan movie and kind of like pressed your thumb on it to slow the whole thing down. It's a high concept about an assassin who using technology transfers her consciousness into somebody else's brain and then uses them to kill people. Um, and it's super slow and gross. Uh, and I liked it a lot. So possessor. Stuart, I want to say if I, uh, that's what I would have recommended. I just watched it. That's what I would have recommended if I decided, if I hadn't decided to throw caution to the wind and recommend the stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, should I go next? Sure. Sure. I'm going to recommend a uh, film drama from the early 70s. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie called Cinderella Liberty, starring James Caan and Marsha Mason uh, with Eli Wallach in a supporting role. And this is a movie that I had been wanting to see for a number of years because I could not understand the title, Cinderella Liberty. And it turns out uh, it's because that's it's the name. just two different what, words. It's just two different words to, to throw them together. Uh, yeah. No, it's, it's what they call when you are on shore leave uh, in the Navy, but you have to be back at midnight. So you don't have a full night. You just have to be back at midnight. Uh, mm. James Caan is a sailor who has shore leave and in Seattle and falls in love with a essentially a prostitute uh, who has a teenage son. 
and finds that his records have been lost by the Navy. This is the 70s. It's literally a paper file that they can't find. And so he's stuck there and can't be put on another ship. And he forms a relationship with her, and it is a real, like, uh, you know, sometimes funny, sometimes serious character study of these characters. And I liked it a lot, and it was fun seeing James Caan playing a character who is not, like, a blustery, you know, tough guy. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so I liked it a lot. It's directed by uh, Mark Rydell, who also directed one of Dan's favorites, For the Boys, starring Bette Midler. So <laughs> so that's Cinderella Liberty. Justin, what would you like to recommend? Uh, you know, there's so many. I only get to do this show once, and I've seen so many movies that I'd like to recommend. But you know what I'm going <laughs> to go I mean, with? you the, could come back. I don't know. At the start of the show, this. you were pretty, pretty sincere about not having it back on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're you're I think that decision's been made. No, I want to recommend Velocipaster. You guys seen Velocipaster? No, I've only yet. seen clips from it and I've yet to see the whole movie and it seems yeah, bonkers. It It's bonkers. It's a really interesting cuz it starts out seeming like it's going to be sort of an intentionally bad camp thing. And there is some of that and then there's some jokes that just work earnestly. And then the strangest thing about this film is that every once in a while it will just pick up competence and put it over its shoulder and just be a competent movie for like 15 minutes and then just drop it again. And it's almost like the director is teasing you like, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I know how to – I could do a good – there's like a love scene in this movie that is so wildly effective and like romantic and sweet and erotic. And it's like, what the hell? Wait, if you could – you know how to do it. Why are you not doing it? It's like, I don't want to. I don't want it. It's a movie about a pastor that turns into a velociraptor and eats criminals. Mm -hmm. So that's the movie I'm making. I could make a good movie, but I'm going to make this movie. <laughs> and it is uh, uh, really, really enjoyable. It's like, again, it's like 70 minutes long. It's about a about one happy Halloween Scooby-Doo uh, <laughs> worth of time to watch. Uh, but I, I got a big <laughs> kick out of it. I've seen it a few times now. I, I really dig I it. I would love for that to be the new measurement of time that becomes the official one so that Scientists doing like Cosmos type TV shows will say billions of Happy Halloween Scooby Doo's ago, our our universe was created. Uh, yeah, that, that's that. Uh, is is Velocipaster the movie where a car explodes, but they just wrote car explosion effects on the screen? Yeah, that's yeah. That's the one. It's good stuff. <laughs> a micro budget too. It was made for basic. I think eighty thousand dollars. I mean, oh, it, wow. it, it is. Yeah. Very impressive. The, the director, uh, Brendan Steer, I think his name is, has uh, gotten a uh, large cash investment for his next uh, film. Uh, so I'm, I'm, which apparently has some connection to Velocipaster. It's called Outback Dracula. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> so I should, already... I should get on Velocipaster. So I'm, I'm called up for when Outback Dracula. Yeah, comes watch Velocipaster because he will probably show up in Outback Dracula, yeah. which, uh, according to the press release, shifts uh, the madness to 1880s Australia, where a psychic lesbian school teacher teams up with the world's greatest adventurer to find her missing girlfriend and defeat Dracula and his golden army of the Sounds undead. Like so do not under. miss this. I mean, yeah, that is the plot of Quickly Down Under. Yeah. They're just ripping it off. <laughs> Um, so, uh, uh, before we do our quick closing stuff, Justin, do you have anything to plug? I know that you have a book about how to podcast coming out, and I know this because even... When will this episode be out? Uh, Saturday. Well after Halloween. Saturday, yeah. I, this, uh, I, I've, even though I already have a podcast myself, I pre-ordered your book and I'm looking forward to... Thank you. ...reading it. You'll learn a few things. 
Saturday, November 21st, this is coming mm-hmm. out, you say. We're doing a live show tonight. Oh. If you go to live.themcelroy.family, that's M-C-E-L-R-O-Y, we're doing a, a live streamed show. Uh, you can get tickets for 10 bucks. Uh, Sawbones, uh, my medical history podcast I do with my wife, Sydney, is going to be there, and uh, it's going to be fun. And please uh, go watch it, live.themcelroy.family. It's tonight. Yeah, Catch you guys it. are the best in the biz. Having seen you guys uh, do live shows over the last couple of years, uh, you guys have gotten like so uh, tight and professional at it that it uh, makes me wonder what we're even trying to do over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have tickets much. for the streaming show. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Thank you so much. Even if you don't come, folks, I really can't emphasize that enough. Just please buy. <laughs> watch it or don't. It's up to you. Uh, well, anyway, uh, before we go, I would like to say thank you to our network, Maximum Fun, that carries our show, The Flophouse, and a couple of shows by Justin and his extended family, all, all a family full of podcasters, uh, just like the Partridge family, except for not singing. And um, But the Partridge family was full of podcasters, that's true. And uh, I'd like to thank Jordan Cowling uh, for editing the show and making it sound better than it ever did when I produced it. And uh, I'd like to thank our guest, Justin, for being here. My pleasure. And uh, so for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalin and continue to be. And that's Justin McElroy. I'm Justin McElroy. Do I say this is that's a weird thing to have a guest do. I'm Justin McElroy. (laughs) Huh. Yeah, you you can give us the postmortem afterwards <laughs> how we're doing. Oh, okay, Charlene wants that to was say weird. Hi. I'll do a now mortem. Hey, Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now that's now Am that's I not supposed to do. Now yeah. that was a weird that thing for to do. One hundred percent. Yeah, that's on that's on Justin. The first thing was on us, but that the second thing was on Justin. <laughs> <laughs> you got, you right, listeners see can see that, time. right? Yeah. Bye. <laughs> I've got a piece so bad. This is end of show. I'll end it. And this has been Flophouse. Keep reaching for the stars. Okay, well, we'll let you go. Bye. Uh, yeah, I'll do the intro and then we'll do the show. Okay. <clears throat> Good order. <laughs> I'd head to the outro right after that, though. <laughs> I don't want to tell you your business. <laughs> so many burns. Okay. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.